Hello and welcome to the 38th episode of Another Game Podcast. I'm Tom Hatfield and with me I've got uh, Pip War. Hello. And Richard Cobbett. Hello. So, uh, well, we kind of started talking a little bit early before the podcast was on. <laughs> so let's sort of pretend that doesn't happen and for some reason we're going to talk about Dota. Uh, <laughs> well, we were talking about Heroes of the Storm because that's mm. the thing that Rich and I have both been playing. Um just sort of the it's in technical alpha at the moment as it splashes across everything um and yeah it's like it, it's it feels like a, a like a mini moba like a little sort of baby steps one where the map isn't too big and you know like everyone gets a gold star at the end and you know like it tells you you're doing a great job and there's lots you of colors and you say this like it's a bad yeah that sounds great <laughs> no 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 mobas are supposed to be difficult they are supposed to require homework there are not supposed to be gold stars for everyone <laughs> How will you know if you have individually excelled? No, it's actually been really good fun. Um, but yeah, like, my problem with it is that it seems to be that you can snowball quite easily and it's sort of quite hard to tell why. Like, whether it's to do with going into the jungle and recruiting mercenary camps to help you push your lanes or whether it's to do with actually sort of fulfilling the um, mini tasks on each of the maps or a combination of both or whether you're actually playing well or you know like it seems like there's actually quite a lot going on and so it can actually be quite hard to feel particularly skilled I think this is a thought that I've clearly been feeling out for about three minutes. <laughs> I actually say I, I kind of agree for the most part with that. And I think part of the problem, I think, is probably partly because it's an alpha. Um, it gives you these objectives, but then it's really unclear as what it actually means. So, for example, you've got the one where you've got to collect gold coins to get the pirates to kind of work on your, you know, to, to fight your enemies for you. But it doesn't, for instance, sort of say where you're meant to take the coins. It doesn't really give you any idea of how much damage the pirates are going to do. Um, and kind of I was this... actually really surprised by the amount of damage the pirates did. Like that's the one that to me feels like once the other team or once one team has started getting the coins, like the other team is reduced to firefighting. Mm, yeah, because I mean, you, you can't. It's, it's not like you can really capture them from the other team because you're too busy kind of trying to get the ones which you've got access to. Yeah. Um, like I mean, so, I... yeah. For that one, so just to explain, like you pick up um, gold coins that spawn from chests that you can smash up, um, and then you deliver them to a pirate who, once he's got a certain amount of coins, will then turn the cannons of his ship onto the enemy buildings. Um, and so, essentially, you're sort of recruiting a bit of extra help for a little while. But the amount of damage it does to those buildings is kind of terrifying and then obviously you're sort of like back in your base trying to stop them from pushing but while that's happening they're sort of able to be out there collecting more coins for the next round of it. Mm. I, mean, I think my fav favourite of the objects I think is actually probably the least fun 
but it's kind of my favourite conceptually is the one with the Dragon Knight. Um, mm. And basically that's the one where effectively the two sides are fighting over um, a really powerful unit effectively. But unlike the other ones, it's not just you sort of you summon a guy, you take over a guy and he goes on sort of smashes. One of your team actually becomes the Dragon Knight and gets to sort of be super powerful for a while. So it kind of adds an extra sort of tactical choice. Mm. Something which I don't like about the other modes is that they're kind of automatic and that basically you're you're doing the thing to earn a battering ram and then the battering ram basically sort of knocks everything out of the way without you really feeling part of it mm. um and i i, I kind of I, I don't mind that necessarily because you've got the creeps which are kind of the standard thing or the minions or whatever they're called this week i don't keep don't keep track um, minions in this one <laughs> um <laughs> I, I I don't know. Last time I checked, it was a hero brawler, but everyone's calling it a MOBA. Oh, and next week it'll is, be an arts and that yeah. is literally the worst name for any genre since adventure game. What hero I, brawler? Hero brawler. I, I actually I, really like it because it's about heroes, sort of like how I think it's so is every it uses, game. <laughs> no, but I think it's because it uses the word brawl, and that actually sort of sums up the sort of like rambunctiousness that is actually a big part of the game for me whereas something like MOBA doesn't there's no sort of emotional resonance mm. in the in the terminology there I, I think I, the problem I have with Hero Brawl is that it only exists because Blizzard doesn't want to use Riot's word yeah. and ev- everything about it kind of just gets stopped on that you know guys it doesn't matter um, if you go into Dota 2 and you look in the acknowledgements thing, Valve has this whole thing about, yeah, thanks to Blizzard, because without Warcraft, this would not have been possible. Nobody cares. And it's like this, 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 this Isn't that more to do with the lawsuits and stuff, though? Probably, like the probably, but, but probably, but it's, it's, more the, it's more the way that um, it, it's not like anybody outside the companies particularly cares that much. Um, I, I know that the hardcore players do, and those people can go away. But I mean, it, it's it's not like it, it's sort of a fundamental thing. You know, if we call it Riot's name, then you know, the entire world will end. It's not like they sort of trademarked it. It's like a big deal. In they the won't even way, mention the word it, Dota as well. No, it's actually really funny because if, if you um, while at BlizzCon, I know a lot of people were pointing out that a lot of the characters and heroes are largely photocopies of the Dota crowd and kind of just freezing. It's like, why, why is this character in there? And, of course, the answer is because X is in Dota. Um, but it's like, oh, we thought that it was sort of time to, to bring this character to the forefront. And it's like kind of, yeah, and yeah, the, the, the fact that he's like, you know, what what is it is, you know, um, patches or stitches or something. Like. Stitches is pudge, basically. Yeah, it, it, it's um, kind of weird. I think, though, that that's obviously like part of the shared lineage, but also because I think that um, the sort of hero sets of abilities that uh, are sort of existing in 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 pre-existing uh, like League and and Dota and stuff, they're really pleasing combinations and things. And like you know, I'd be interested to play slightly different variations on them. But I guess you know, like if you've got someone with a hook, you then want them to be able to do something once the enemy is like hooked into them, and you know, so. Like, I think some of maybe the ability similarity is more to do with, like, the synergy of, of what's available. But, you know, it, it could be a bit more I, adventurous. But then I, again, it does share, you know, it shares the, the oh, this is, Warcraft this is, lineage this, this for a lot kind of, of it. This is kind of part of the thing in, in the, that I almost sort of wish that they wouldn't be so coy about it. And they would just be sort of straight up, well, basically it's ours. You know, rather, rather than kind of all this sort of meandering around and sort of trying to, I don't know, 
trying to act as though the stuff which they're reusing, even though it might have come from them largely originally, has nothing to do with all of these other games. And it's like, kind of just, just, you know, we all know, just, just mm. embrace it. And I don't think what, what one thing which I really like about Heroes is that it does have that confident feel in, in everything in the actual game, you know, in the unit types and the responses and kind of the, the skills and kind of how they've kind of mixed up the, the genre a bit. But then you sort of, you sort of step back just a little bit and you kind of have this, this real nervousness about the whole thing. And it's just, you know, you're blizzard. You're too big to care about this. Just, just roll with it. Do you think that's more because um, that's a definite feel that you got from your time at BlizzCon? Because, like, I haven't found it particularly like overbearing or anything. I mean, I, you know, the naming conventions and stuff. It's kind of yeah, it's a marketing decision. It's a you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. But like when I actually started playing, even from the tutorial, like it was definitely the Blizzard sense of humour and when, not the Valve sense of humour. Oh, it I, was I think, definitely... I think, I think when you get into it, absolutely. I think the... Um, I actually thought the tutorial was really good. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't really kind of cover that much content, but I, I like how they try and set the... Um, the tone in a, in a really clever way. You know, basically having uh, basically for the tutorial, what happens is Raina is effectively abducted and taken to the Nexus, which is where these kind of different worlds are. Um, and he's given um, the tour. It's, it's Uther, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, from from Warcraft. And uh, most most of it is basically it's him and Uther sort of fighting Diablo and a couple of the other um, kind of villains um, on a couple of sort of very kind of sort of forced year sort of demo matches. And but what's really nice is it makes this huge play out of you and Arena asking questions like, "So wait, what's going on with this Nexus?" And just being told flat out, "Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just just kill stuff." Yeah. Um, and, and it sort of sets up this really sort of nice. We're just having a game here, a bit like Smash Brothers had with um, the idea, of, like the kid playing with his toys. It's like kind of it. It don't take this seriously. It doesn't matter. There is no overarching plot to it. It is purely an excuse to throw all of these guys together and have a big fight. Um, and I really wish some of the players would, would accept that and sort of stop being such complete dicks. But, you know, I, I really like that as a sort of setup and kind of more of a Team Fortress style than Dota's very sort of serious battle and League of Legends, whatever the crap is going on there. The thing is, Dota, like, has a sense of humour. It's just that it sort of relies on you having, like, dug into the lore a bit or, like, you know, it's it, it's very much a kind of these are jokes for people who are inside I think like there are some that you know are just puns or you know like they're likable characters and stuff like that but oh. like the actual sort of humor sort I, of my, unfolds better if you know no, I, I, again I, I totally agree I think that mm. the Dota I don't really see as being funny but I do I do see as being entertainingly snarky Mm. Um, in, in that I, I like, I like, for example, when um, Drow goes up against Sniper, and they've kind of got their sort of bitchiness about kind of bullets versus arrows and that kind of stuff. So mm. I, I really like how that sort of stuff is embedded. Whereas um, Heroes of the Storm is flat out doing jokes at times. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's aware of how silly it is. I mean, a lot of funny stuff in Dota kind of layers over the top of things that the you know that the characters in game aren't aware of. It's things like announcers uh, in Doctor Kleiner's voice or whatever. Mm. Um, I think it's more of a sucker punch thing in, in that Dota 
while it has this sort of undercurrent, yeah, on the surface takes itself incredibly seriously. And so I think when it has these sort of moments of sort of light relief, they're funnier because they're kind of coming out of nowhere. They're that um, human touch on top of this thing about kind of brainwashed minions, you know, um, mm. on, on, the, on this sort of epic struggle. And then when you've got some like kind of Windrunner sort of doing a crack about, you know, not liking redheads or whatever, it, it's just... It, it, it doesn't break it, but kind of it just bends this enough for this, like, kind of, oh, yeah, it is a game. This is all kind of fun. and mm. Yeah, and, like, the humour sort of comes out of the fact that the characters sort of have more be- believable relationships with each other. Mm. Um, and it's clearly been sort of very well thought out and fleshed out, and, like, there are so many voice lines for everyone. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, like, you get, like, Lena and Crystal Maiden are sort of sisters in the lore, and so, you know, like, and, and, when and they're laning together or against each other, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Hmm? I, I, I can't take those too seriously because I've seen Slayers and it really annoys me. <laughs> and it, 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 it's like, just, just, no! <laughs> bad, bad developers, no cookie. Um, a bit like when um, uh, Shadow Warriors sort of uh, stole Slayers posters and used them as decoration around their, their levels. It's like kind of um, that sort of uh, pointing. <gasps> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, I really like that one thing I really like in sort of certainly sort of Dota and um, Heroes and probably League of Legends as well, but I've, I've played that one by far the least, is that the characters seem to be having a good time. Mm. And I think for me, for me that's that's really crucial. Again, it sort of ties back to the Team Fortress thing. That I love that, that Heroes is, is sort of so flat out that even when it's sort of Rainer fighting Diablo or sort of teaming up with Tychus or someone like that, it's just silly it's fun it, it it it's it doesn't matter you know beyond this round and kind of it's just all of these guys kind of cutting loose and just showing how badass they are and mm. i really i really dig that um my big my big frustration with it is that i think the the objective thing is not helping the community in the way that i kind of hoped it might and the players are kind of coming to it with a dota mindset which is really annoying me already Mm. Is that have you actually found there's a lot of negativity then in the community? Because I, I must say I haven't. I, I found I found a mix. I, I think the trouble is that um, first, firstly, it seems like most players that you come across have time machines um, because they're immediately kind of going, ah, noob, do this, do that. It's like kind of the game's not even out yet. By definition, we are all noobs. <laughs> if you are not, clearly you are speaking to me from the the distant future with robots and stuff. Um, but I think I think it's the trouble is that because of the objectives. They're, certainly, the game which I've played, there is no actual talk, because the mm. game, the game itself, is kind of going. The haunted mines are opened. Go into the haunted mines, or um, yeah, I am, I, I am, I am, I am, a, I am, a, I am a pirate. You know, go and get me some gold. And so, it, it's, it's not like the players then have to sort of say, okay, guys, let's go into the haunted mines. Um, but I think what that means is that when people do talk, uh, it sort of tends to be bitching and which which is annoying because I, I sort of tried one of the melee characters i'm mostly a ranged guy in uh mobas because i suck i quite like to be the distance where i can run away and um immediately it was like kind of sort of first death is like kind of uninstall hots it's like mm. gonna go away stop doing it it's just guys it's a 20 minute game where we're not going to be here for an hour yeah there is no kind of ranked play it doesn't matter 
why are you sort of treating this like it's a thing? Yes, I suck with, I don't know, Illidan, whoever, or whoever. I picked him purely because he had cool weapons. I, I feel no shame for this. It is not affecting you even slightly. It's affecting you way less than in many games because of the shared leveling thing. Um, mm. and, and I just think it's a, it's a really bad start when kind of even the initial players and in the, the sort of discovery phase of it are already being prickish. And I, and I kind of really want to see Blizzard find some more ways along the lines of Team Fortress 2 um, to try and sort of push a friendlier atmosphere, even if, even if it involves having the characters do the stuff that you'd want other players to do, like um, thanking you for an assist or for a heal or kind of all these little details, I think, really do make a difference. I mean, you wrote something about how they were, well, about how Hearthstone manages that by disallowing most direct communication. Yeah, and I, I actually re- would really kind of like that as an option. It's like, um, I think that obviously if you're playing properly, you know, not, not in like a pug game, but obviously tactics are really important. You want, um, you know, chat and sort of team speak and all the other bits and pieces. But I think in, in a regular game, I, I actually want to see players have as few communications as possible. And I, I really just want it to be like um, literally Rainer sort of saying, go here, or um, Kerrigan sort of saying, let's attack the base or whatever. And, and none of these sort of additional layer of, you know, stop feeding as if it's a choice you're making just to annoy us and kind of all of that other bullshit that really turns me off the genre. I mean, I can see that for a lot of games because, let's face it, if, if you're actually trying to do an organised game with a team of people you know, you're probably not even going to be using the in-game voice chat system. You're going to be using oh, totally not, speak yeah. or whatever. Um, so, the... I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what the audience of people is that needs that kind of cooperation but with someone they've never met before and you can't organize that for it's because most of the time you find in like a multiplayer shooter or something there'll be one or two people who just talk over the mic and no one else is interested in it Mm. and And quite quite often in russian yeah but the thing is like when you're sort of using in-game chat like it can seriously help the game experience and also you know it can just lead to more satisfying like matches because when I was I mean you know admittedly this was with a friend but I was playing a couple of uh, Heroes of the Storm this morning and um, it was just so much nicer to be able to go into a lane with them and like to sort of chain up our um, abilities rather than just be constantly like well if the other person doesn't do this then I might as well you know like you know I'm gonna have to make sure that I'm essentially playing solo but as part of mm. a team rather mm. than I am with other people and we can actually get a lot more out of this by you know teaming up and, oh, and sure, sure. pulling but, what we can do but oh, I mean but I, think, but I think that's a different thing and that that's very much um you know playing with a friend where can you've already got that kind of sort of layer going on I think for me it's, it's I think I think it's more that in kind of more pug games and kind of occasionally you'll kind of get someone who actually does you know sort of take charge and actually sort of produce your know, good suggestions but I find that for the most part, the the team, the the chat window especially is used for exactly three things: to say "good luck, everyone," to say "never mind, you're all shit" before quitting, um, and to say "gg" at the end. And kind of really, all of that can be replaced by drawing onto the map um, a few, you know, preset commands and like a few things. I think when you when you're sort of in a team of friends, hypothetically, I don't I don't really do that because I prefer not having to bathe it's really nice not to have to kind of be sort of limited by the game's chat but when well, when i sort of jump into one of these games i just want to play the game i sort of don't want the bullshit that goes with it from some some random guy who doesn't work out that maybe gosh someone who's in a limited draft game may not know what they're doing 
I don't know, like, I've seen it work both ways. I mean, obviously, like, sometimes you just get a load of nonsense from someone or a load of abuse. But um, one of my friends uses the in-game chat a lot. I mean, I just tend not to, but she actually sort of gets quite decent results because she's like, okay, if you do this, then I'll come in behind them and, you know, clean up and, you know, stun this person and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, she'll actually sort of use it to take charge and the results in terms of the game are usually better. So, like, it would be nice if there was... um, a better way to encourage people to use it in that fashion rather than um you know people just using it to be asses to each other um, i'm kind of, kind of reminded of there's a game called kingdom of loathing and one of its best things is that before you're allowed to use the in-game chat you have to pass a test at the altar of literacy um handed out by the ghost of the english language <laughs> and so sort of things like sort of typing out things like there are four things there and kind of getting the right there, you know, e- each time. And I, I, I almost kind of wish that the sort of chat was a thing which you earned and could have taken away. Well, it is in some things. Like sometimes people will put you on restricted, like a League of Legends does that. It puts you in like restricted communication and stuff like that. I think you're only allowed a certain amount of messages per match if you're, um, if you get too many reports and they decide to to do that um so like yeah there are ways around that and i i don't know like i i don't i don't know i just there's something in me that just really hates the idea of like gating access to a thing like you know based on someone's abilities like they might just be really good at dota and not very good at like the other stuff or i don't know i, well, just... I, was, I was thinking in terms of ability just sort of think just sort of flat out you know if, if enough people click the dick button then you, you're, you're kind of restricted purely to mm-hmm. uh sort of standard things and um i, I don't know like i said in, in game i, I mean f- for me the big problem with mobas in general are the players mm-hmm. which which is just that the, the like I don't have a team to play with, so kind of all of my experience really is is in pugs, um, and inevitably, if something's going to ruin, I I don't care whether we win or lose. I do care if if the the entire team are being jackasses, and not just towards myself. It really annoys me when um, again when, when you sort of load up something like limited draft in Do- in Dota, and you've got someone who um, you know picks the wrong character for a mid lane. But that you'll never get really sort of someone saying, "Okay, you you should probably be in one of the side ones." You know, you're you're a support. Do this. It's always just your know, WTF. And uh, for for me, this adds nothing. And I, I kind of I either want to be playing with friends with chat or having a more Hearthstone thing where it's just entirely focused on, um, you know, we shall attack here, and you can draw on the map even if kind of you'll get the occasional guy drawing a cock or something because gamers. Mm. I get. I like. I find that the um, the people that I've been playing with have, you know, some have been nice, some have been, most have been just completely silent, you know, like not even typing GG at the end. Um, but I'm actually wondering whether this will change when the game is sort of in beta or like open beta or whatever, because um, the time requirement is is less than League and Dota and. Um, smite and things like that it and so maybe when more people are playing it they will view it as like a less stress option or there will be maybe more in the way of like context i mean that, that's kind of what i and what i so, hope i mean i think part of the problem is that um the whole job kind of has a lot of these expectations 
And so it's whether or not people will... I think the big thing for me is whether or not people are going to approach it as being a new Blizzard game or a new MOBA or whatever. Um, because I think the trouble is that the people kind of expect you know, the bad attitude in kind of games like this. And I think a lot of the people who are playing it now are the um, you know the old school sort of Dota fans who basically be able to kind of jump more or less straight in and kind of know what they're doing. Um, but I think it's whether or not you can kind of get that wider community who are just there for fun. Um and so whether or not by the time by the time they they can actually sort of sell it on those terms, or again they'll be sort of too sort of buried in sort of trying to compete that everything has to be sort of seen through the the usual lens. Hmm. You know, like obviously when I play the the games, I'd still like to win. I don't want to have spent like twenty minutes just you know doing something that didn't feel enjoyable, that didn't feel like it made any impact. You know, it's, it, I think it's that like, and that's where my concern about not necessarily being able to unpick quite where something went wrong is mm. quite big because well, it's like you. <clears throat> It, it then takes away some of the ways it feels like a skill game. And mm. that way you're like, well, if it's a bit of a lottery, then maybe I'll just go back to playing the stuff where I feel like I can get better at it if I just unpick it enough. Sure. I mean, I th- but I think if you go back to say, um, I mean, I used the example earlier on, but I think it's, it's quite a valid one, Team Fortress 2. Um, I don't know what the state of it is, is now because I haven't logged in for ages, but even years after that game came out, I think what was most enjoyable about it was that nobody ever cared. Mm, um, it, it, it was that if you win or you lost, it didn't really matter because it had been fun getting to that point and it was sort of so um, so light, so sort of silly, so much fun just to do the team thing that it was fun. And, and you kind of know, and people were kind of sort of bouncing around on rockets and things and kind of having a really good time. And I never had, I, well, maybe one, once or twice, but but for the most part, I never had a bad experience um, on a public team Team Fortress 2 server. Um, and I think that the trouble is that with something like um, the MOBA thing, kind of there is this sort of feeling that winning that winning matters, and winning's nice. I mean, obviously, you you want to kind of yeah you know, be the winner in a in a team game, but I don't for, for me it's like it doesn't actually matter that much. It's like kind of nothing is really lost. It should be kind of the focus being on did we have a good time taking all of these Blizzard heroes and having a huge fight with pirates, and I think right now it doesn't feel like it's got that. It, it's got mm. um, the, the the same kind of ultra competitive core, which is that if we lose, that time was wasted, as opposed to you know well. I just ran around. I had a really good time playing with Nova, and I sort of did a really cool thing with my hologram, and and so on. And we lost, but eh, it was it was a fair fight. GG, quit, jump into another one. Maybe this time go for a daily quest. And I know uh, that's what I want from it. And right now I'm not getting that. I'm getting another game which is like Dota, which people are taking way too seriously. Even when the game itself is specifically saying, "Do not take this seriously. It's nonsense." Hmm. I yeah, I know what you mean, Rich. I'm. I'm, I'm very much the same. I love that about Team Fortress 2 that it didn't really, but half the time I couldn't even remember if the last match if we wouldn't want or lost as long as I enjoyed mm. myself. Um, and it's something I, I know I become a little bit worried about in games lately with the push, with the low, the rising prominence of esports and that, whether those games might end up being pushed out by the more competitive ones, which fair enough, other people enjoy them, but that's, you know, that's not what I want. What I want is stuff like Team Fortress 2. I think I always find the weirdest thing about that is people who will actively shun games um, because they're not likely to be an esport. 
and I, I see that I see this a lot in kind of sort of Twitter and kind of around the web. It's like kind of um, you know, the, it's an important you know, question. You know, will this have million dollar tournaments? And for me, it's like, well, I'm never going to play in one of those anyway. I I really don't care. Um, with the exception, obviously, a game which sort of is successful in those times will generally have a longer lifespan. But it also means that probably there's going to be less cool stuff done with it because, you know, it's going to be, you know, focused on, you know, balance and kind of um, not changing things and kind of not wanting to risk that. I, I, I much prefer the games where basically they, they are purely played for fun. And so the developers and players can just splash around to have fun. Then maybe in a few months' time, um, it fades, you go and pick up something else and... and that's fine too. I think unless you're the company which is actually running it, it shouldn't be relevant whether or not it's going to become an esport. But the point is that you, like Blizzard is going to have to want to have people sticking around for a long time, and so they do need to make those kinds of investments. Well, the thing in... is for, well, I think it's not necessarily um, a one-for-one one thing because Team Fortress 2 never became an eSport and people stuck around that for years. I wasn't mentioning eSports. I'm just saying in terms of, like, they would want people to, you know, form a, a you know, an interested community and not oh, drop yeah. off after a few months because, you know, they, they want to be able to monetize it. They want to promote, you know, their game. Oh, no, it's oh, no, an no, online... Well, of course they do. But the thing, I think they can do that in um, by doing kind of the, the the sort of stream of new stuff again. The the Team Fortress model, if it keeps on being interesting. In, for example, um, I don't. For for, for me, um, Heroes of the Storm would be a game where I would want to see them adding a ton of you know gimmicky and kind of fun and wacky heroes. And my thought would never be. Is this specifically, you know, a well-balanced thing, and how does it kind of play into the meta game? I would, I, 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 and I imagine a lot of people who kind of play Blizzard games will be much more interested in, hey, it's Sylvanas or sort of something like that. Whereas I think, kind of, if you sort of start focusing on the esports, which I think a lot of multiplayer games do, for me, it sort of starts to drain the fun out of it. It's, it's like it, it's how will this play for a hypothetical, you know. Um, international style competition three years down the line when basically some people who do nothing but play this game will, will kind of compete with it. And it's like, I, I don't really care about that. I want a game which I'm going to play to enjoy now and kind of I will keep playing with it for as long as they can make it fun. But the thing with that, I would say, is that, like, well, one, for me, it hasn't lost its fun the games that have developed into esports you know that's just another sort of layer of experience it's like um oh, no, watching I, I, pro oh, football doesn't oh, no, just, spoil like oh, no, a five-a-side kickabout in the park for me oh, no, just, no, just, 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 re, just, re, just rewind that one it wasn't that the games can be esports it's that people won't play a lot of um, new multiplayer games unless they have that potential i, I kind of i'd much rather see that kind of emerging more naturally it's like if that builds up around it then cool but it, it, it shouldn't for me be it, it's never for me and i don't really think for most people it should be the focus i am not going to play this because i don't think it has legs for an esport and i see that argument all the time and i find it kind of depressing do you it's yeah. something that i haven't really encountered like overwhelmingly i i see i see it's a lot like um, most some uh, a new multiplayer game is, is done so there seems to be this idea of if i'm going to invest if I'm going to invest in this game, I want to know that it has this sort of future to invest in, and that future is always esports. Um, I, I don't know. Like the the thing is, like I can see that people would want 
you know, like if, if they are going to dedicate X number of hours to something, they would want it to sort of feel like it was a meaningful investment in some way, whether it was that they were getting a lot better at it or whether it was that they were, you know, just having fun with their friends in a way that they, you know, that was not exactly predictable, but that was stable and, you know, was was the, the thing that they had come to it enjoying in the first place. Like, I don't know, I just think that, that's like that that's the sort of feeling that I've encountered like that people want that want it to be worth it but it hasn't necessarily been and it will only be worth it if it becomes an esport because I, I, I really I really do I, I see so many people who basically want to feel that the time is validated which I don't think is the same thing as, as worthwhile it's like kind of that if, if I'm going to put a hundred hours into this game I want it to feel important and um and i think esports are kind of the the primary way which kind of games have to kind of to say you chose wisely you picked the game which is the next big thing even if you yourself are never actually going to play on that kind of level and so I, I sort of see that all the time and it kind of comes up so much in sort of chats and kind of conversations okay hmm. kind of kind of a bit like how people get so obsessed by um subscriber numbers and mmos uh, yeah, and sort of similar things. It's like kind of a, a million people agree with me that this game is worth playing. Therefore, um... no. For me, it was make, that was making me think of the the way in which new MMOs tend to be consumed, which is people race right to the end and then they complain that there isn't an end game and then abandon it after a few months. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it would be worrying if that trend started to come off around multiplayer games as well. I guess. Well, I think, I, guess, I think it's largely killed MMOs. So it just means that, that all of the content is just... You, you race through it in seconds, and it, it's sort of... It, it's not meaningful, and kind of everything has to be... The, everything's sort of been drilled down to this this sort of half-hour single-player experience, um, you know, where kind of there are other people around, but usually... I mean, Elder Scrolls Online is a great example. If you want to group with people outside of a dedicated dungeon, it makes it as hard as possible. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, um, I'm actually kind of interested in Heroes of the Storm because because I, I, I'm i not really into those huge time investment esports uh, and it seems like a and it seemed like a way to um, uh, do the Dota-like thing without too much of that the only thing that worries me is that it's being made by Blizzard who have always favoured the, the, the epic time sync, at least that's the impression I've always gotten from them and I'd be it, it seems strangely counterintuitive that they're the ones positing the alternative. And I think they've actually done some really smart things. I mean, actually, Heroes of the Storm is very much like Hearthstone in many ways. Mm. Um, yeah, so, for example, you've got the... Well, you, you've got the basic games, which they're aiming to be about sort of 20 minutes long, which is a fairly... I, I mean, they're, they're smaller maps, which they feel smaller, or kind of because you've got mounts, so you, you get across faster and so on. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, mu- they're much sort of tighter games. And I, I like... One thing which I really like is that, say, um, if you start playing Dota, if you start playing Dota, I do like the the um, the power progression, how you kind of go from being someone bit crap to kind of really powerful by the end. But I also like that at the start of a Heroes match, you have your abilities unlocked. You can just, apart from the ultimate, you can just really sort of just dive in and sort of start, you know, really kind of laying down. And but you, you've got the actual game itself, but then you've also got wrappers around it. So you've got daily quests, which will be things like. Um, uh, 
play three matches or kind of sort of play three games with a Warcraft hero and that kind of sort of stuff. You've got the whole ranking system. You've got um, hero quests and so on yeah, later on. So there is kind of a, a larger kind of sort of single player kind of meta game for a- every game you play, you're going to be progressing on something. Um, and a little like how uh, Hearthstone sort of does it with its, um, its, its little sort of drip feed of, of money to buy cards and arena tickets and um, special goals. But the actual game, the actual games themselves are sort of short and to the point, mostly. Well, this is what, yeah, I was going to say, like, it, I think it will end up being a time sink game, but it just won't be that the individual matches are the time sink. You know, it'll be that you play a whole handful of them and sort of somehow an afternoon is gone or that you keep going back to it yeah. if you get super into the like quests or into like leveling up or you know things like that well that i'm fine with um what i'm worried about essentially is that it will require an investment from me to get to the fun bit which it feels like all Bristol games kind of have whether it's leveling up in world of warcraft you... or learning how to play starcraft gen- 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 genuinely it doesn't um, no. in, in that you, you, you've got you start off, obviously we don't know how many kind of characters will be unlocked um, at launch um, and, and how much gold you'll kind of get for winning, because obviously it's in alpha so it's all the details are sort of open to it but you sort of start off with basically a handful of, a bit like League of Legends, you sort of have a handful of free characters um, which is sort of graded specifically as this uh, Rainer I think is easy and then kind of some of them are medium and then you step up to the likes of yeah, Illidan and um, Abatha who are down as very hard, so you, you kind of know immediately which kind of characters you should probably probably be kind of getting the feel for it but it's, it's a bit like dota in, in that there is no kind of uh pip is gonna is gonna complain somewhere there's no kind of sort of easy mode dota it's like it's it's all the same game you just get better at it um past you know, like individual hurdles like um limited drafts and so on um and so basically you start playing heroes of the storm you have a two level i think two or three level tutorial which is pretty quick and pretty comprehensive and then you're just in, and it's like kind of you want you want to be uh, Nova, here's Nova. Um, yeah, you want to be um, Rainer, he's like your basic sort of capable of doing anything guy. And because the I think I'm right, um, the characters be the same on both sides, can't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like um, you can only have one on each side mm. of the same character, but yeah, you can like have you know one on the red team and one on the blue team. Yeah, which again makes it much more likely that you'll be able to get the person that you want um, to play as. I, th- I think gen- genuinely, I think that the nice about heroes is that you play one game. And you won't be any good at it, but you'll at least kind of get what's going on and kind of it's sort of very good at sort of highlighting where you need to be and kind of you know, of what to do for the most part. Um, not that occasionally the objectives are a little bit vague. Um, but then after that, basically, you unlock more of the heroes by winning gold and obviously you'll be able to do them with real money as well. Um, and then, then after that, it's like bundles and skins and things to unlock later on. I, I really don't think it's going to be a problem getting into Heroes of the Storm. It's just whether or not the audience is going to be welcoming to a new player who doesn't know how to be a um, a melee assassin or something. Um, well, I guess I should talk about what I've been doing since this was mostly <laughs> you two. Uh, I've been playing League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about something you guys will have nothing, no idea about. Um, yesterday, I went out to London for an event for Ingress, um, Google's Google Map ARG game thing. Which mm. I spoke, I think I talked about it a few months ago. Yeah. Um, if I, I might as well explain it again. It's um, <clears throat> basically yeah, it's played on Android phones. You get a little Google Map thing around, and there are little portals around the world that you um, take over and connect to each other um, to make things. And there's two rival factions, and everyone's trying to flip, trying to 
um, claim more portals for their side. And uh, I was going down there for Guardian for an article, but um, we'll hopefully go up in a week or two, um, because they were having an event in London, which was really interesting. They did this thing where basically, uh, with the which they call an anomaly, which is basically that they get, they drive these zones and for, there were four hour long periods. And in each of those, whoever controlled the most stuff in those zones would win the event. What was really interesting about it was that's pretty much all the organizers did, but the teams that were there, and it was like five or 600 people turned up, were incredibly organized. Um, and that's, kind of what interests me about the game is that um, it reminds me a lot of EVE in the, the whole thing they said about they've, you know everyone says about EVE about how the meta game is the game mm. where regardless of what you're actually doing on the ground level the amount of like coordination that the different players have is really really interesting except obviously they're in the real world so they're actually running around in real life so people telling me stories about this one guy told me about how um, he was trying to claim a portal which was uh, like somewhere in the countryside which had absolutely no signal whatsoever and he had to construct a little device to beam Wi-Fi into the area for long enough for someone to capture it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, I met this woman who was uh, has a cafe in London and it, which she and which she uses almost as a sort of hub for the um, members of that faction. And during this day, they had like um, several different teams being sent out to different locations, some of which were on bikes or motor spikes to run up and get things really quickly. <laughs> And there was someone. There was. Uh, they were, had like a dispatcher with a map coordinating the whole thing. It was incredibly organised. It was really fascinating. Hmm. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop talking now. Otherwise, it's just going to be one long big speech by me, which is not a podcast. <laughs> I, I really hope the winner of that game gets an iPhone. <laughs> well, they're putting it out on iPhones uh, soon, actually. Um, and everyone's little, and uh, people I spoke to are a little bit worried about it because it's like they're suddenly going to get this whole of the community, and regardless of what they're actually like, that's. That's a weird thing to happen to a game, and it's an uncertain time. So yeah, um, but no, that was well, re- yeah, but no, yeah, it's it's really fascinating in that, uh, in, in like I said, the amount of organisation that goes on about it, and I will probably explain it better when I actually write the article. But I thought I should mention it since I was out in out all day running around <laughs> London, opening and closing portals for this thing. Was there was one of them was right outside the American Embassy. Uh, so you've got like uh, half a dozen people show up like with their phones out in front of the embassy li- you know, loitering suspiciously occasionally one of them talks into like a walkie talkie and says uh, team six on site and, <laughs> and the guards are just looking at us very suspiciously okay, last time I was at the, the, the American embassy they had a tent outside where someone was doing a massive protest just having this, this sort of vision of this sort of army of geeks just sort of coming over and says excuse me have you got a portal to another world in there <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yes, it's really interesting. Uh, They have also there's this whole like ongoing. It's presented as an ARG uh, as well. Um, So the the portal, so it's presented as if you know it's a real thing on the port, and your phone is the app on your phone is a a method of accessing these portals. They actually had, uh, they have like an ongoing YouTube series with like a newscaster who chronicles these events and. The actress who plays her had come out for the event to do like an opening announcement for it. It was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. How many players does it have at the moment? That's a good question. I have no idea, but probably a lot. I mean, there are about five or six hundred people who turned up in London just for that event. Mm. Um, and there were also simultaneous ones going on in like Stockholm and uh, somewhere in Germany, possibly Hamburg. Mm. Um, 
And uh, in a couple in America, there was one in Salt Lake City as well, I think. Okay. So, yeah. Um, the, one of the really interesting things about it is that because um, it's all about connecting these things and you can like draw shapes with them. So these weird things happen where people will deliberately try and draw a shape on a, on a country or something. Uh, what kind of shapes, Tom? <laughs> it's quite hard to do penises. It's very <laughs> angular. <laughs> and uh, it's, that in itself requires absurd amounts of organisation because when you link to to link to um, like portals, there can't be any like links in between them, like crossing over. Mm. Um, so if you want to do a really big one, you have to go along the line and clear out all the current links. And what, what actually happened when I was when we were playing is that the faction I was with, the Resistance, managed to get a field up that encompassed the entirety of London because they had people from out who hadn't turned up on London today who'd been working on this instead and then managed to put it up halfway through the competition to give their teammates a bonus. Mm. Um, but again, that would have that required them to be running around, like turning off all these links in between the two of them and also to link a portal to another portal. You have to have the key. So someone had to like get uh, someone who... Um, someone from one port would have to get all the way to the other one in order to form a link and ferry the keys around and hand it over to another person or something like that. Um, so it's it's like if you... Uh, I'd play, I dabbled with the like surface level of the game before um, and you don't... Uh, you look at that and you don't realise that all the interesting things are going on are all in that sort of metagame organisational stuff. Um, but actually there's some quite clever ways in which they've in, in which the technicalities of um, defending and linking portals require that, that degree of cooperation. You do know that the way that you're talking about this is uh, the reason that I really like MOBAs and the <laughs> things that you think are not fun and that people take far too seriously. Just, just going to put that out there. Well, yeah, I'd say it's more like people <laughs> or something like that, which again... Um, I am interested yeah. to hear about, but we'll probably never get into. I'm, gonna, I'm also going to clarify that at least in a mobile, when this one says go to hell, they don't mean you should literally go there and take your phone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it, uh, like I say, it's, it's just fascinating to run around with these people for a day, and I couldn't really do much. Um, but it was interesting. It was fun to see what was going on. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's because it happens in the real world. It seems so strange. Um, anyway. Enough of me rambling on about something no one else understands. <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic if the uh, the big reveal was that in fact all of this was a really complicated algorithm. You've just cured cancer. <laughs> isn't it like if it's a Google thing? Isn't it much more likely to be okay? Well, we've worked out your route home. Here's some adverts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, people people have suggested that might be what they're playing at. Uh, and uh, most of the portals are attached to landmarks, so people take photographs of them and submit them. So it's it's, it's, it's... it's an amazing data there, mine, there, I'd there, say. There was a new portal right in the middle of Alton Towers. Get 25% off. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have like anything in the terms and conditions that like says how they're using any of that data? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't read them. But um, I imagine it is going into some kind of Google database somewhere. Because I'm uh, thinking if like there's a line in there that says that anything you submit as part of it can just be used across the company, that could be kind of interesting. Because obviously, like, it could augment. Um, yeah, Google Maps is the obvious one, but also you know some of their other services in terms of, you know, um, 
Well, I imagine Google Maps would be the yeah, definitely the obvious one because to create a portfolio, essentially you take a picture of a landmark, you'll put a name on it, and obviously that could then show up as part of that uh, on Maps. And the uh, the guy who the lead designer or the head of Niantic Labs, the little company within Google that runs this, is actually the guy who made Google Maps as well and Google mm. Earth. I was thinking more of his on a routing possibility. It's like you sort of say, I want to get from Bath to London. And he said, do you want the shortest route, the most efficient route, or the one which will avoid the resistance? <laughs> <laughs> I think they could actually do some fun stuff with it, for sure. Like, And it sounds like a fun thing to like be involved with anyway, Like, a, as long as you've got the time or like if you're happy to just sort of watch it unfold on your phone, like mm. as you sort of go hither and yon. Um so yeah, but like I think yeah, I would be curious to see what else it's feeding into. Yeah, I was. Um, I would have assumed originally. I assumed that the their method of it was essentially being monetized by just being because it it uses it uses Google Maps. It's on Android phones. Uh, it sends you notifications through Gmail. All the stuff is on YouTube. So it's it's kind of a massive promotion for Google products. Mm. Um, of course, now they're putting on iOS as well, so I don't know. Maybe they have some different plans for it. Mm. It's, not, it's not the best project. I've never heard of this. Yeah. I, I, well, this is, they did one of their things that Google does, where they roll out a beta really, really slowly. So there's mm. never a it, uh, "this has come out" announcement. Um, so, which is kind of why it's flown under the uh, under mm. the radar in a lot of places. But well. But then again, you know, if it had been like pimped out, like. I don't know, like their Pokemon Maps April Fool thing. Like, <laughs> it probably would have just come off like a novelty. Whereas mm. this way, you actually get, you know, a hardcore community who are willing to sort of, you know, spend days actually strategizing. Yeah. Um, True enough. So, yeah, I'm going to be writing something for The Guardian about it, but that probably won't be out for another week or so. I will link to something that um, uh, Mike Jennings wrote about her, about it, which was quite interesting. Um, which gives a bit of a more, probably a bit, a slightly more coherent summary as to what's actually going on, and also talks about some of the weirder stuff that's happened with, um, like players crowdfunding for one person to fly out to a deserted island to claim for all there. I really hope it's the one with all the snakes, kind of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they're going to sort of take this. They sort of take the success and they say, "We've decided to confirm Google Plus wasn't a failure; it was an arg." <laughs> Well, they all you use won. Google. They all use Google Plus. That's the thing, because it turns out it's actually perfect for organising people for playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the few people who do really. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think they um, the people who are working on it are now. They're also going to be producing another game in the same vein called Endgame. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe they'll ex- exactly what they'll be doing with it. I, I think it will be within. It'll have the same real world thing, and it'll probably use maps because that seems like the obvious way to do that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there might be a boom of those lately, which is interesting. It's especially good because most ARGs are completely centered in America, and there's nothing interesting going on in any other country. Whereas this one, because of the way, uh, because it's Google on there everywhere, and because of the way in which anyone can submit a landmark, and it just require it doesn't actually require someone to be in that country to set up set it up. Um, it can be played, yeah, pretty much everywhere. Cool idea. Uh, I also played um, Panic on Wall Street recently. I don't know if either of you two have played that. No. Uh, um, I know because I know Shut Up and Sit Down did it, and I know you play with them sometimes, Pip. Uh, uh, yeah, I haven't done that one though. Uh, ease. 
They live uh, in the opposite end of London to me now, uh, sadly. Uh, this really cool little board game that is weirdly cheap. For some reason, it's like half the cost of all other board games. Um, but you... Um, so like uh, only £500. <laughs> uh, I think it's like 20 25 something like that. You, but uh, you uh, essentially play um, Wall Street speculators in 1929. And what happens is you split into managers and investors. Managers get little companies. And then you flip uh, and investors buy those companies. And then you basically turn over a timer and you have a huge shouting match with people like buying and selling and trying to undercut each other's prices or and eventually agree on a price for these companies. And you roll a dice to see how much they're actually worth. <laughs> <laughs> and then the investors take how much they're actually worth and pay how much they agreed to pay beforehand um which leads to, and they're all like uh, which which leads to these brilliant moments especially because they've all got these sort of 1920s um sort of silly invention things on them so like the red company which is the highest risk because its dice goes all the way from like minus seven to plus seven um mm. so it shoots up and down the board all the time is uh, like a, a sausage in a tube, <laughs> so you you have people like you have people like just going, no, I've been ruined by sausage in a tube. <laughs> all their shows suddenly become worthless. Uh, but if it does really well, so they then get to kind of go hot dog. <laughs> exactly, and you'll have people just in the chat match going, come on, I've got two two hamster radios here. They've been solid throughout. They're constantly rising. Low risk company. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is really good. Um, really good start of board game, I think, actually, because uh, because it's so cheap, but also, and it goes for all the way up to eleven players, which is ridiculous. But uh, um, uh, but it also has some very simple like betrayal mechanics, which are one of the most interesting things to introduce people to in board games, because it, it, with the way that you can undercut each other or withdraw from deals or close them down or things like that. Mm. Someone else talk for a bit. <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna say, there's a um, there's a game called Pit, which I used to play at school uh, with some friends, and um, it's it's really old, like hundred years old, I think. Um, but it's about the stock market, hmm. and um, what you have is like uh, all these cards, and I think, if I remember rightly, like you are trying to collect all of the same commodity, like to sort of corner the market in that, and then there's like a whole heap of like uh, shouting at each other and sort of you know bartering and things I think but yeah like it uh, it just sort of reminded me of that and I thought maybe I'd I'd see whether I could get a copy of it and see whether it was any good because it was one of those things where someone like had a copy of it brought it in for two lunch times and then lost it <laughs> but um, yeah so like all I remember really is the sort of it, it felt quite frantic but it was kind of interesting so sounds yes. like um, um, was it Happy Families Hardcore Edition. <laughs> Unhappy Families. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can sort of say to anyone who's been playing it and is worried they might be bad at Dark Souls 2 that they can take some solace from the fact that I am way worse. <laughs> um, I fired this up last night and, oh God, it, it's, it's a litany of tragedies. Um, I've got to the point where my character isn't so much hollow as just a vacuum. <laughs> and it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Actually, we do, do. have a question about uh, Dark Souls 2, um, which I might as well ask now. Uh, since we've been going for a while, we should probably ask some questions. Um, the Ben Rose Saga asks, having played Dark Souls 2, would you go back to the original Dark Souls for another run? And I guess to Richard, because I don't think... I'd... 
Either of um, us played it. I haven't played it. Oh, I think I've, I've tried to play Dark Souls about three times, and I cannot do it. And it, things like, it's, it's not because of the difficulty so much, but certainly the PC version just feels wrong. Um, it, it's... It's like, it's like watching a video of somebody where their mouth is like half a second off. I find the controls just don't feel right to me. And so I, I've kind of I've kind of got to the bit where you, you get out of the asylum and you get to Lord and I sort of start stuff there. And that's basically as far as I ever got. And it was always a case of, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm too, too late to this party, but when Dark Souls 2 comes out, I will download that one. I will sort of start playing that one. We will, we will get off on a, a brand new footing. Well, I think, um, to be fair, the PC version did have a bad rep for, you know, not being the greatest thing oh, the, of all time. The, the, so. the, 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 PC, the PC version is bloody awful. Yeah. Um, but, but it's also the only one which I had. I wasn't going to buy it again for a console. So it's, it's like, I'm just, just, I just... I, I, you I, might be able to get it quite cheap at, like, CEX or something. Yeah, true. Yeah, but it, 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 it might it was, be worth it. But it was, it was more kind of playing, playing through it. It's, it's, it's like kind of everyone has already sort of said so much about this. Like, I feel like I've missed the party on Dark Souls. Um and Dark Souls 2 does feel a lot smoother and kind of e- easier to use, and so I'm probably going to keep pushing on that one and maybe try and go back to the original at some point when I inevitably give up. See, I'm going to put this out there. I have thought about going back and trying Dark Souls again. I have thought about actually bothering to sort of learn what's going on and not be, like, you know, flummoxed by the first thing or head in the wrong direction. I've even got so far as, like, loading it up, starting again. Do you know what? I don't care. I don't want to play it. I just don't want to play it, and I don't care. And that is directly aimed at Craig, because, you know, (laughs) he probably won't listen to this back, but somewhere he'll be twitching while playing Dark Souls 2, going, I think I just heard something I didn't like. (laughs) But, like, there are just other things I want to do. Like, I I looked at my games um, yesterday. I thought, I could actually play Dark Souls today and like, you know, actually, because I wanted to sort of wall myself off a bit and just do a bit of sort of solo gaming. But then I was just like, I could play Kerbal. I could play Dishonored. I could do anything in the universe other than play Dark Souls. See, I, 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 so I, 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 feel, I feel kind of compelled to play it just because so many people sort of told me it's their new favourite game ever. But when playing the first one, I couldn't get um, over the... the thing is, loads of people like the Da Vinci Code. Doesn't mean you need to read it. <laughs> I don't know. I did, I did read it because I, 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 I wanted Ugh. to make... No, no, I, I, want, I wanted to make absolutely sure that I was mocking them for the right reasons. I read not, 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 not only was I, I found so many more things to mock them about. Um, but with, with, with Dark Souls, is, is, is I actually admire a lot of what it tries to do. You know, I love the idea of the, the Castlevania-type setting. I like the idea of um, you, know, you learning on the fly and you kind of sort of working out the rules. And um, you know, the idea of a, a brutally difficult game, which is fair about it, I... I kind of admire that, even though I'm the guy who, who finished Bayonetta on the easiest difficulty mode just to watch the craziness. It's a game which I feel like I would like to be able to play. But when it sort of starts off, and you have this whole thing about kind of you are an undead, you are going to be thrown into a cell for the end of time, it just sort of strikes me that maybe the best thing I could do would be to stay in my cell and wait. And it, it, it's just like... I mean, clearly, if they're throwing everyone into this asylum, they must have their reasons. I don't know enough about this world to really argue the social policies of it. It certainly seems to be working quite well so far. All I want to know is whether whether or not the asylum demon who's just down the corridor is an official employee, and if so, how that works. I want to know if he gets dental, if there's a workroom somewhere where he goes and hangs out. I, I want to know these kind of law details that nobody will tell me. 
But fundamentally, it does seem like going on that quest is going to be a really bad idea for all concerned. Whereas I actually have quite a cool room. Uh, yeah, I've got some kind of cockroaches who I can make friends with and maybe will one day do my bidding. I've got a um, dead guy on the ground who's got a key if I ever need to go and sort of stretch my legs, then come back. Even some manacles on the walls for exercise equipment and a skylight. I mean, there are so many worse prisons. I think it's actually quite cushy. I don't know. I I think the thing that I found was that it, you know, course, uh, like uh, ironic given your mention of of the sort of prison scenario is that it was incredibly freeing not playing the game or not <laughs> pursuing like the the quest because it was just like I can appreciate that it's you know it sounds like an amazing game. It does some super interesting things. People love it, and I just don't have to want to play with it. And that's okay. And I think that's, you know, like, that was just such a nice moment of, I'm going to stop beating myself up about not having played Dark Souls. I just don't want to. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I gave it a side crack. I'm, I was actually thinking about this the other day with Far Cry 2, which I think I have Ugh. similar feelings about. In that but a lot of people like them because they, f- they feel like really unforgiving worlds, but I don't get that feeling. I don't... When... In, in, in either of those games, more so in Far Cry 2 and Dark Souls, uh, I don't necessarily feel like I'm in a harsh and unwelcoming world so much as I'm in a harsh and arbitrarily frustrating video game. Mm. Um, I, 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 my, my, my issue with Far Cry 2 um, is exactly the same kind of Dark Souls. It's the intro. Well, you, you arrive in Africa and you're the shittiest mercenary ever because you've sort of gone there without getting your malaria shots. Um, you immediately kind of keel over and you sort of wake up in the middle of a war zone. And then the, the game's villain is just sort of there. It's like, um, well, you screwed this one up. Uh, well, you're not going to get paid anymore. So I honestly suggest you go home and buy. And I couldn't really kind of get past, you know, this actually sounds quite reasonable. I, I will follow your advice. Um, I will just find a, a way out of Africa I will go to a, a hospital I will maybe get a job in a bookshop somewhere I'm clearly not cut out to be a mercenary and you know the, the entire rest of the game was just just why why would I care about taking part of this this rebellion this revolution which I'm I have no personal stake in I'm a mercenary who's not getting paid game over <laughs> someone should point that little narrative dissonance out to Clint Hawking <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shall we answer the rest of the questions? I was going to say, given we've started, we might as well finish. So, what's Uh, up? Ian Lambert says, uh, having finally bought a PS3, other than obvious stuff like Last of Us uh, and Little Big Planet 2, what exclusives should I be catching up on? Uh, It probably is obvious, but um, you didn't mention it, so I'd definitely say play Journey. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Anything else? I'm actually actually doing something similar with a PS3, except I'm not actually playing it (laughs) uh, yet. Uh I don't, I don't actually have a PS3 uh, anymore, but like, I'd say I would say that much as we malign David Cage, um, like Heavy Rain is worth a, a look. I, I'd say it's, it's worth a look if you can get it cheap. Yeah. Um, in in that it is shitty on just about every level, but it's interestingly shitty. Yeah, like it's kind of one of those things where like. Yeah, I I sort of enjoy pulling it apart, but at the same time, like you know, it's a it's a game that I was interested to play at the time, and which like has moments of being good, and like I just yeah, I didn't. I mean, I th- I, for, for me, the problem, with Dave, the problem with David Cage is that he's a crap writer with some great ideas, 
And I think it's usually worth playing his games for the ideas. The trouble is that they're buried under the, this appallingly written storytelling, um, you know, from an incredibly, you know, creepy, often misogynistic guy who's who's really irritates me on a, many levels. Um I mean, one one of the the classic ones in heavy in heavy rain is near the start of the game. This is not spoiling anything. There's a point where two characters take a shower, and so you've got the guy who gets into mm. a shower and he washes and he's done, finished. And then um, about half an hour of game later, um, the female character Madison has a shower, and she has a whole leisure center style shower block just so we can get cameras in absolutely every single angle. And it's just you you get to that sort of moment, and suddenly it's just. This game is doing some interesting stuff, but I've just been reminded that David Cage is going to ruin it, and mm. and he does so many times that the the main story makes no sense. I highly um, recommend playing Heavy Rain as a slapstick comedy. Oh yeah, be because because of the way in which you control things by like pushing on analog sticks, simply by like waiting or pushing really hard occasionally, you can make a really absurd slapstick comedy uh, of like where the You'd where the protagonist, where Ethan will like um, take out a uh, uh, take a like an orange juice out from the fridge, shake it, stare at it forlornly for five minutes, then put it back and get a beer. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like yeah, if you if you can pick it up for cheap enough, it might be worth it just for pressing X to Jason, you know. <laughs> It's, it's certainly got some interesting scenes. I, I think the, the trouble with Heavy Rain is uh, the same with a lot of games at the moment, in that there is no editor. So that there's, there's nobody there who's in a position to sort of point out when something clearly doesn't make any sense and doesn't work. And um, and it's especially bad with, obviously, uh, for Quantic Dream, uh, Cage is the head of the company. So he has no oversight. And so much of that game is, is, is not necessarily that the... The individual bits are bad in themselves. It's just that clearly there is nobody who has been able to, to sort of point out and say this needs to be changed, or you don't realise how this is coming across. And or even it, it, just what? Well, yeah. that 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 too. I, one of the weird things. In Games are pretty much the only medium I can think of really which don't have some someone with the job description editor really. Yeah, I mean, so it tends to be you know narrative design or something will have kind of. The, the, the final cut on the writing and the producer kind of gets a cut above that. But I mean, the thing was, Heavy Rain is a story which wouldn't hold muster as a late night movie. Um, individually, the details are kind of okay. It really okay, doesn't but... work as a daytime murder mystery either. No, I mean, it, it's, it's bullshit. I mean, the entire I story is bullshit. Oh. <laughs> um, and so you have all these, these sort of points where, where it'll, it'll do something because they're cool. But then it hasn't actually thought through what it's going to do with them, um, and there's there's um, I mean one one of the funniest things is that obviously the main one the main character has to do all of these trials to prove his worthiness for his son, but the the needs of the game can't actually support that, and so what you end up with is kind of the equivalent of the Saw movies. If Jigsaw kind of put somebody into this huge trap and sort of said you know um, in five minutes the spike will will poke out your eye. But I'll leave the key here so that you can leave if you want to, but you'll know for the rest of your life that you were a coward. And it's just, what? Um, and, and when you sort of finally get to the reason why um, you're doing all of this stupid thing, he's it, it, kind of got this great gimmick where basically um, each of the trials that you do unlocks part of a puzzle 
which will tell you where um, the the kid is being kept. This isn't really much where this is kind of she's quite early on, and so it's it's like if you do the thing, I will give you a piece of the clue. If you do not, then I will not give you a piece of the clue, which might mean that you never find your son. But obviously, because it's a video game, it can't just sort of stop with the protagonist you know, like ten hours in, kind of going, "Well, shit, I've got no idea." Um, so what it actually ends up having to do is um, play it out like. We were like three different ways to sort of find out the same information. And the actual puzzle is hilarious because it's hangman effectively. And it kind of gives you different pieces of the, the address. And one of them basically, I think it's like the second one in makes it very clear that the main word in it is <laughs> it can be nothing else. And so at that point, it's like, why am I doing these three more sadistic challenges when I could just get an A to Z and we could have this thing wrapped up in an hour. And kind of, and of course, the reason is because nobody's actually thought about this bloody story for more than five minutes. It's just a collection of cool scenes glued together. I don't know any other PlayStation exclusives that I might tentatively recommend to anyone. No, they're all obvious stuff, really. Um, I mean, Inf- Infamous was okay. Yeah, yeah. If you, um, and I'm, um, you know, I'm sure if you're Buzz, interested actually. in Metal Gear Solid games, you're aware they exist. So. Mm. Uh, Buzz and the SingStar games, if you've like got friends um, over. SingStar's brilliant for that. Obviously, uh, it needs like all the peripherals and bits and pieces, but yeah, they've actually been good to me over the years. Everyone always says Uncharted, but technically that's not exclusive to PlayStation anymore now that YouTube exists. Okay, so uh, another one from Rose. Um, do you think you're at an advantage by having a girl on your team? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, no. <laughs> As in, I, I'm assuming that he's referencing the um, the game jam yeah. um, thing. So you know, I think that we're at an advantage from having uh, four uh, regular talented people in general. <laughs> so <laughs> to sort of reference the reply, I think. Uh, Nicholas West asks if you could turn any book into a game, which book would you choose? Uh, and he says he chose The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. I haven't read The Way of Kings, but I have read other Brandon Sanderson books, and I could totally see why you picked that. He's very good at making interesting magic systems that feel like they should be in a video game. <laughs> There's a book called um, The Flame Alphabet, mm. which is about uh, language becoming toxic. Um, and that could oh, be the, interesting. Oh, the, the Dota story. well i was thinking on the back of what we've been talking about earlier so like but i mean obviously just sort of finding interesting ways to sort of try and communicate with people or like you know sort of trying to develop new ways of getting your point across but then again maybe that's just like the interesting stuff that arises from a community when you hand them limited communication means rather than sort of a game in and of itself it's more that it just yeah that was the book that was in my head because of previous conversations hmm. so i want to play a dresden files game that's like vampire bloodlines mm. i was actually thinking of a dresden files as well um i remember seeing the uh all those um cinematic trailers for the secret world and they were like yeah this isn't going to be the game i want it to be <laughs> so, so the, 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 the secret world saddens me so much and that i I, I I I really like a lot of the story, but it's ruined by the MMO padding, and so I just can't be bothered. And I, I kind of I'd almost like to sort of find a player run shard, which just basically sort of switches off the MMO entirely, and um, yeah, lets you level up by pressing a button, so you can just play for the stories, not actually have to do the missions. I kind of I've been occasionally hoping that um, unannounced new Bioware franchise is going to be some Dresden Files style urban fantasy or something. 
I, I, I was actually thinking of this the other day because I was, I was reviewing um, the latest Blackwell game for Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Why aren't there more urban fantasy? It's such an obvious genre for the PC. Um, and, and really it is just, what, the secret world, vampire bloodlines, and what? The, there's almost nothing else. No, not really. Well, I mean, there's 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 lots of games that I guess have fancy elements, but they're often, they're often horror elements, or they're mm. just some random. So they won't they won't be what you'd usually consider. Well, fancy. even even the horror ones, I mean, it sort of just tends to be a we'll we'll put monsters into the modern world, which isn't quite the same thing as actually being being part of that world in the same way as again you have vampire bloodlines, um, and I think it, it, you have to actually be in the middle of it and not just kind of kicking ass. I I kind of want more of a, an adventure kind of RPG type. Approach that we can really kind of bed in. Yeah. Um, I would choose uh, "Altered Carbon" by Richard Morgan. Uh, Great book. Yeah, which is really unlike pretty much everything else I've read by Richard Morgan, including yeah. later "Altered Carbon" books. Yes, yeah, so I, I read the second one and I, I got halfway through and I stopped. That's pretty um, much it. It's, it's like I, I want to remember liking "Altered Carbon." I, I can't read any more of this. But then, but at least "Crisis 2 was brilliant. <laughs> oh wait. Um, but it's um, it's uh, a sort of transhuman cyberpunk future where people have uh, like a cortical stack. It's called a little chip in the back of their heads that when that stores their consciousness, so it can just be loaded into a different body at any point. Um, and this, yeah, um, it's um, you know that's a very cool setting, and for and it would be really awesome to use that as a game mechanic, the ability to just load yourself into a different body. I guess to look back to David Cage, kind of like Armor Cranlo once told it, except not on a Dreamcast. <laughs> and good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm but still scored by David Bowie, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Omicron. My, my favourite <laughs> part of Omicron is, is really the ending, where they um, I, th- I think it's probably past the sort of the spoiler gate at this point, Omicron. Um, the, the, the idea that you're actually supposed to be playing for your own soul, and so the, the, the final guy is all. Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, with the final guy is all kind of this time you're actually playing for your own soul. There is no restarting, there is no loading. You die, and then it's just like load game. And it's like kind of I will say the exact same thing I said last time. Yeah, that's the weird <laughs> thing because it, it, it does that right at the start, like because it starts with this guy like jumping through a portal and explaining Tales. that you're mm. using your Dreamcast to like hack into his body, and this is real. You can't just save and reload, but you can. When you rape his wife, you are totally doing that for real. David Cage. God, I hate that man. I'm sorry. All, all, all of his games annoy me, and, and usually for the, the creepiness. It's like that, that one, Fahrenheit, Heavy Rain. I'm, I'm certain there's a, it, there's a certain portion of Fahrenheit you could play and go away with the feeling that it was a great game. Yeah, it's the first scene. Yeah. Then, 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 then it explains it, um, and then suddenly you go from being this incredibly cool, um, dark supernatural thriller to literally rescuing a kidnapped girlfriend from a roller coaster in an abandoned theme park. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like when you when you are literally writing a Scooby Doo episode, you have lost the plot. Uh, Dave, Dave Turner says, uh, "What's what is it with Philip of War and ducks, duck tanks, duck souls?" Can this only end with a DuckTales theme stuck in our heads? What is this about ducks? <laughs> I think it's because I was talking about the world of tanks and oh, how yeah. um, how all the tanks look like ducks. And I also photoshopped a picture of a duck's head onto the Dark Souls 2 box art. Because I was bored. 
Um, I don't know. Ducks are great. They're like inherently comical. Um, and yeah, just I don't know. If the world wants me to stop talking about ducks, it should stop making ducks part of everything it does. <laughs> frankly, this is entirely not my problem. <laughs> uh, that's all I've got from the official account. I think you've got some more, haven't you, Pip? Uh, possibly. Let me just see. Um, just duck, ducks out for a second. <laughs> Someone has. Uh, Jordan has asked, "What would you ask if you had to ask your podcast a question?" Which I think I uh, that has broken me. Um, I, I, I would I ask. What, I would ask what Jordan would ask. Uh. Mm. Yeah, Jordan, balls <laughs> in your court now. Um, and Ed has asked Ed Fenning, um, "Who would be your video game kiss, marry, avoid?" Mary would specific... obviously be Dota. <laughs> all, all of the characters at once, or just the, the whole game? <laughs> the whole game. Um, well, the thing is, like, surely with Snog Mary Avoid, you pick the three games and yeah, other people that's how it have works. to, like, say which You of don't them. understand how to play Snog Mary Avoid, Ed. <laughs> well, like, yeah, he should have given us three games, and then we'd have to mm. sort this out. Mm. Unless you can think of three off the top of your head. Well, I'd, I'd, kiss, I'd kiss Tetris because I have a thing for walls. <laughs> I don't know what I'd kiss. Maybe Bayonetta. I just love her. I want to be her, though, so... <laughs> that would be a bit narcissistic of me. Um, Technically, I could probably do it um, if you did Monkey Island, in that you would snog the first one, marry the second one because it's the best, and then avoid escape from Monkey Island like the solidified lump of the plague. <laughs> but... Uh... I don't know. I'd, I'd, maybe I'd three. kiss. Um... No, th- no, no. Three is good. Uh, four, four. No, is... I mean, didn't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it it got a certain amount of acclaim when it came out. It'll have to to do that. I think maybe I'd kiss um, Grim Fandango because it's a really romantic game, really. Um, and yeah, marry Dota and avoid Dark Souls because yeah. <laughs> See previous fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't technically one of the categories. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe that's what Snog could develop into. I don't know. I guess um, kiss Deus Ex, marry Mass Effect, and avoid Starcraft. <laughs> All right. Um, and Michael Cook has said go to the Ludum Dare page pick the first blog post about a game dissect it like it's just been announced at GDC I'll put the link in chat okay I think I well I believe this is the first one Uh, it's um... it's the pit (laughs) Is that the headline? The super punny headline? RPS or something? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I appreciate that they've shown gameplay instead of doing a cinematic trailer. Well, essentially, it's a gif of uh, what seems to be an Easter Island head perpetually falling through a cave system. Um, It's like like the Quick Man level from Mega Man 2, except for modern audiences who can't take challenge. Well, I think like if the bottom bit was orange, it would look like you know the portal. You know, like when you just perpetually go round and round to build momentum, and then suddenly like put your portal Mm. somewhere else. So like I'm watching this gif and then wondering whether he's going to suddenly shoot out of the side of the. uh, I think the 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 worrying thing is that the level design kind of looks a bit like a face. So having this sort of surreal thing of the guy just falling through is a literal head trip. Mm. 
<laughs> I don't know. I think, okay, so if this has just been announced and we were sort of like on it like rabid news hounds, it would just, you know. I, I, would, I would sort of say, well, at least we know that it's not a bull shot. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, I, I think the, the first question has to be will it require you play? Possibly. Or no, actually, um, because of, of SEO, like I think maybe we should just have as the, the sort of subject or the strap line, you know, is this the new Minecraft? Because it's blocky, you know. Half Life 3 revealed? Question mark. <laughs> Underneath, no, it's some random game from Ludum Dare. <laughs> I wonder what the game is. Because the they title is put, Time it's, is it's Flying. Very, it's very repetitive. I, yeah, they haven't I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not wild about the level design. Mm. It's like procedurally generated from a single potato. <laughs> Let's have a look. I feel like we're being mean to this guy. He just put like a gif yeah. up. He's only been working <laughs> on this for 24 hours at this point. I'm sure it's much better. It's just that this, this is all we've got. <laughs> You know, I'm fairly certain if you kind of gave me 24 hours, I could probably have a guy falling through a face as well. And I'm I'm not saying that I'm the greatest game designer, but I would at least sort of put a ledge underneath it so he didn't keep falling for eternity. What well, I, I want to, maybe what he's I, just looping a gif. I think maybe this is like a, a bluff. This isn't like it's not a perpetual falling game at all. Oh my <laughs> god, it's the new frog fractions. <laughs> is this Flappy Bird? <laughs> well, he's not flapping. And he's no, not a bird. But, apart but he from is that, like moving through like you know gaps, I mean that's essentially the flappy bird. That's at least half of the flappy I, I mean, bird. It's, it's one of those kind of beautiful. It's one of those beautiful kind of um, indie arty games, and it's sort of full of meaning. A bit like when you play Gone Home, and you sort of realise it's not just about walking around a house, but it's actually a, a subtle deconstruction of the entire capitalist system in the form of a duck. And this is the sort of similar thing. See, by, everything comes back to ducks. It's is, not by, just me. The, by, by, by watching this, I suddenly realised that racism is bad. Um, does this mean we have to strike all of what you've written and contributed to society previously as being under the bracket of racism is good? All, all, I'm, saying is I, I, all I'm saying is that until now, I never specifically stated the alternative. Uh, I'm going to file you under grey area. <laughs> Look, it's not my it's not my fault. I sleep a lot. I thought that's what you kip did. I think we've possibly successfully libeled this person or <laughs> us ourselves. Dunno. Technically slam. Yeah. Well if it's recorded though. It's Maybe if we transcribed it. Oh fair enough. Maybe if we wrote it, it down and kind of sent it over to him, it's like right, this this game does look awesome. I mean I've certainly played worse. Mist, for instance. And anything apparently by uh, David Cage. Well, so C- C- Cage genuinely frustrates me, not because I think he's he's the worst designer in the, in the world, but because he has so many ideas ruined by being David Cage. Mm. It's, it's like I'm I'm not quite sure what he can do about that sort of short of a full personality transplant, but I'd be willing to donate to a Kickstarter. <laughs> If we get $10,000, we'll tell him what an editor is and suggest he, and suggest he gets one. Uh, $20,000, we'll hire a guy to just sort of stand there and smack him in the face. So it's like whenever he gets these sort of scenes like, oh, yes, we're going to make Madison take her clothes off and it'll be totally non-creepy and fan service Slap! No! If you're going to do fan service, embrace your fan service. Don't try and pretend it's something it's not, you creepy Frenchman. Or get a deviant art account. Mm. For 40,000, we'll do the same for Hideo Kojima. (laughs) 
Okay. I'm just could, sticking through that. That might require more than one editor. The thing is, Kojima would need a whole whole separate translation team, and I don't mean for the Japanese thing. I just mean playing the game. It's like, what is this trying to say? Then you have. Then after that, you have another guy who sort of says that was a really bad idea. Just a, a picture of the Beauty and the Beast team from MGS4 with the word no written under it. And whenever he sort of does that again, just sort of holds it up in his face until he gets the message. I am just looking through the blog entries and there are some like really sort of interesting looking things or like, you know, I'm just sort of captivated by a jellyfish that's like having a little wander. I'm, I'm quite fond of like, I'm quite fond of I'm quite fond of bear hitting a box. Mm, bear hitting I, a box. I, 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 be, I believe that um, most games sort of do best when they embrace their own limitations, and I can't think of a better example than uh, exactly mm. what it says on the tin. Well, and this just, um... and just open up after he's hit the box. What was in the box when he dives into the water and he sort of sinks down? What what is below the screen? <laughs> Why well, are there no comments? <laughs> The title for this Ludum Dare is Below the Surface, or Beneath the Surface, sorry. So, like, yeah, there's some interesting takes on it. So, um, in case people were interested, like, I think maybe if we put a link to it in the show notes, like, just the blog stream. Yeah. Um, oh. We'll probably cool know a bit means. more about the stuff people have made by the next podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that is everything that I have been asked. So, unless there's anything that you guys have, uh, then I think that that is a wrap. Oh. Yeah, okay. I think we've successfully concluded that we need more urban fantasy and less Debbie Cage. Mm. And on that note, I think I need to do some more Heroes of the Hearthstone. Or whatever. Heroes of Blizzard. Blizzard of Storms. Heart of the, heart of the Storm. What was it they Hearth called? of the Blizzard. What was it they called it before it was of the Blizzard All-Stars? Or... Oh yeah, they changed it because they didn't want people to call it Balls. <laughs> now they want it to be hot stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.